0: You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms.
1: He's painting a contrast of sorts between those who are wicked surrounding him and those who fear God surrounding him. And this is the takeaway from this section. It speaks to the importance, I would say the paramount importance of those whom we choose, we choose to surround ourselves with, not the other way around.
0: Are you spending time with people who push you closer to God or draw you away? As Pastor J.D. continues our study of today's rich passage in Psalms, he reminds us of how essential it is to surround yourself with good company. This doesn't mean you should avoid the wicked, but if that's who you're surrounded by, then you'll certainly be pulled down. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Psalms chapter 119 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: All right, let's jump in, verse 57. The psalmist begins by saying, You are my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep your words. I entreated your favor, verse 58, with my whole heart. Be merciful to me according to your word. Uh, By the way, again, uh, let me parenthetically say that Of the 176 verses, there are only three verses that do not in some way mention the Word of God, His decrees, His commands, His statutes, His Word. There's only three of the 176 verses that does not directly mention the Word of God. So as we read through this, you'll see this throughout verse 59, I thought about my ways, that's a good thing to do, and turned my feet to your testimonies. I made haste and did not delay to keep your commandments. The cords of the wicked have bound me, but I have not forgotten your law. At midnight, verse 62, I will rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. Now I want you to pay particular attention to verse 63 and verse 64 here. He says, I am a companion of all who fear you and of those who keep your precepts. The earth, O Lord, is full of your mercy. Teach me your statutes. Okay in this section, and this could very well be like the next section that we're going to get to here in a moment, could very well be a sermon unto itself because of the subject matter that the psalmist is dealing with here. He's painting a contrast of sorts between those who are wicked surrounding him and those who fear God surrounding him. And this is the takeaway from this section. It speaks to the importance, I would say the paramount importance of those whom we choose, we choose to surround ourselves with. Not the other way around. You know, sometimes in not choosing the influence that we allow to speak into our lives, the company that we keep, those that we surround ourselves with, they will choose you. So it is incumbent upon us to choose those very wisely, very carefully, very prayerfully, that we would allow into our lives as an influence in our lives. An ungodly influence leads to ungodliness. I know that might sound like a (laughs) firm grasp of the obvious, right? you hang around with ungodly people, it's not long before you yourself become ungodly as a result. And conversely, it works both ways. When you surround yourself with those of good character and of a godly influence, then that also can lead to a godly life. Listen to what Proverbs 13 verse 20 says, It says, he who walks with the wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. This is one of those contrasting proverbs, as I like to call them, where the wisdom is in the contrasting between the wicked who do this, which leads to this, and the righteous, by contrast, who do this, and it leads to this. And when you see it in that way, and when you paint it on that canvas with that stark contrast, it really does change the complexion of it. In the sense that, and this is, bear with me on this, this is what I call the sway, meaning that uh, minus 10 and plus 10 is 20. So it sways both ways, as it were. So if I'm allowing those who are ungodly and those who are wicked to speak into my life, see that as the minus 10. Conversely, if I allow those who are godly and wise and righteous to speak into my life, that's the plus 10. Look at the difference. It's not a difference of 10. It's a difference of 20. I mean, it's a stark contrast. Paul, writing to the Corinthians in his first epistle, chapter 15, quite bluntly, true to form, as we've gotten to know the Apostle Paul, chapter 15, verse 33 says this, do not be misled. It's actually stronger than that. Don't be deceived. Sometimes in his letters he'll say, don't be ignorant. Don't be ignorant. Don't be so misled and deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. I've heard it said this way. This is not a Uh, biblical reference, but I think it has a biblical principle woven into the fabric of it. If you lie down with dogs, you're going to get up with fleas. I'll just kind of let you think about that for a moment. But isn't it true though? I don't know if it's possible to overstate the importance of those whom we allow to influence our lives, those that we allow to be a part of our lives, whether we realize it or not. And by the way, (laughs) this is not just for young people, and yes there are many a parent, present company included, who have tried to build this in to our children's life at a young age growing up, because at a young age they are more vulnerable by virtue of the peer pressure, and especially in this day in which we live, which For us who, (laughs) I was telling my boys once that we have no idea what kind of a world they grew up in. I mean, not just when the internet, you know, came about, but when social media came bursting onto the scene and invaded our world and the lives of our children, it just changed everything. And the statistics are bearing this out. How many times will you read about somebody who uh, compares themselves with those fabricated photos that are posted on social media. They're not real anyway. And they look at the light, and I was, I remember many years ago when, when Facebook was like the thing. And I mean they were writing about how that people would go down, you know, their Facebook uh, feed and see all of their friends' postings, like when they buy a new car, and, or go on a vacation. And they're just like living the life. And here, here comes covetousness, <laughs> here comes jealousy, here comes envy, and you start feeling bad. By the way, we're going to be talking about this in this uh, next uh, section that we're going to get to. But again, let me say it this way, I think it is so important that we are so careful, young and old alike. This is not limited to just young people, although they can be very vulnerable at a young age to the peer pressure and those influences, those ungodly influences in their lives. But I think for us, too, we have to be very careful when it comes to who we allow to speak into our lives. The one who is blessed is the one who sits at the seat of the godly council, that is surrounding themselves with those who are of good character, and those who are godly, and those who are righteous. All right, let's get to this second and last section that we're going to look at tonight and spend the remainder of our time talking about beginning in verse 65 the psalmist writes you have dealt well with your servant O Lord according to your word teach me good judgment and knowledge for I believe your commandments listen to verse 67 this is one of two times in this section the psalmist will refer to this he says Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. It's almost like he's saying, (laughs) you know, I was kind of wandering, backsliding, and then you afflicted me, and you got my attention, and now I keep your word. It gets better, verse 68. You are good, and do good. Teach me Your statutes. Let me add here, before we go any further, that God cannot do anything unless it is good, because that's who He is and how He is. Now we say it's kind of cliche, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. But as we're going to talk about, the psalmist is going to deal with a very delicate matter, concerning the goodness of God when everything that is happening to him contradicts what he knows to be true about the goodness of God. Let's call it a crisis of faith for purpose of discussion, because that's what the psalmist is talking about here. So he says, you are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The proud, verse 69, have forged a lie against me, but I will keep your precepts with my whole heart. Their heart, this is interesting imagery, is as fat as grease. That's an image I could probably, you know, (laughs) go the rest of my life without picturing. It kind of carries with it the idea of they are so prosperous, so cocky, so arrogant, so proud, and I mean they are just fat for the slaughter, so to speak. Fat as grease, but I delight in your law. The implication being they don't. Now verse 71, here it is again. He says, and I want you to notice this now, because he's sort of taken a step further and qualifying it. He says, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. Really? Can you say that? When God allows hardship and difficulty and affliction into your life, usually it's the opposite that's true. (laughs) Lord, why are you allowing this to happen? I think of Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 14. You'll forgive the loose paraphrase, but he says this, during times of prosperity enjoy don't apologize don't feel guilty hey if God's blessing you and prospering you enjoy it and then he says this but I don't like those buts because you know the buts coming right during times of prosperity enjoy okay where's the but Well, is it here it is but when I wish it said if it says when When adversity strikes, and it will, stop and consider and realize that God brings the one alongside the other so that man can discover nothing about his life or his future. Here's the meaning of it. God's going to allow prosperity along with adversity. He's going to bring them both side by side into our lives. When it's times of prosperity, enjoy it. But when adversity strikes, stop and consider. Now that God's got your attention, because isn't that how God gets our attention? When adversity strikes? I mean when when things are going well, I mean we tend to, let's be honest, glide and abide. And it even shows up in our prayer life, doesn't it? I mean our prayers are generic for lack of a better word, they go something like this, Lord, bless me, bless them, bless this, bless that, you know, in Jesus' name. And then off you go. Your prayers begin to decrease in frequency and intensity, because come on, man, things are going good. Everything I touch just kind of comes together. My daughter, she does this intentionally, because she's just such a little rascal, because she knows how my answer is going to be. So she'll go, Baba, how's life? And I always answer the same way. I think she just likes to hear the answer. I say this in response. Life is hard, but God is good. Life is hard, but God is good. You know when somebody asks you, Hey, how's life treating you? Terribly. Life is really hard, but God is good, but God is good. So Solomon is basically again contrasting prosperity with adversity, realizing, and here's the wisdom in it, that it's only when adversity strikes that we'll stop, slow down enough, lower the volume of our lives down enough, so that we can hear him speak. Apparently God has allowed this adversity into my life, so he can get my attention, because he did not have my attention when things were going well. I was too busy running here and there, to and fro. So now adversity has been allowed into my life. Affliction has come. Now God's got my attention. Maybe he wants to show me something that he could not otherwise show me during times of prosperity. Maybe that which he desires to show me can only be seen during times of adversity, because that's the only time that he's got my attention. So now that I have your attention, there's something I want to show you. And here's the thing. You, You don't know what I know. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. My ways are too high for your understanding. So I know you, and you need to know that unless I got your attention, you would keep going like... No problem. So I want to now show you and remind you once again to rely completely and totally upon me. Man can discover nothing about his future. And so God has to allow the adversity to strike. You know that saying, and I I know I quote it often, but it's been said that God of course will comfort the afflicted but sometimes God deems it necessary to afflict the comfortable. I mean what is it about us that we tend to get too comfortable, too complacent, too content, and and here God wants to do something grand and glorious in our lives, but we're too comfortable. Our roots are down too deep in the soil of this temporal world. So how's he ever going to get us from point A to point B? Oh I know, (laughs) I'll get his attention, and so he allows adversity to strike. God, why are you allowing this? Oh, well now you want to talk. You were too busy before. I was waiting here early in the morning for you to rise up and seek me. Apparently that wasn't on your calendar. Oh, but now you want to talk. Okay, well let's talk. I never imagined God being mean or cruel. No, he loves us. And sometimes he wants our undivided attention, and if affliction is the only way to get our undivided attention, well then guess what? Affliction it is. And apparently the psalmist in this section is writing about a season in his life where he was getting away from the Lord. Perhaps we can presume that things were going well for him and he was prospering. And the reason I say that and believe that is because of what he says in 71 and 72. Listen, he says, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. In other words, the inference is, I would not have learned this any other way, absent the affliction. And then in verse 72 he says, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. Did you catch that? might be reading too much into this, and if I am you'll forgive me, but it seems to me that the psalmist had coins of gold and silver. He had tasted from the cup of prosperity. And because of the affliction, it brought him back to reality, so that God's Word, the Word of God and the God of the Word became of infinite more value to Him than any of the treasures that this world has to offer. I'll tell you, God is ever about bringing us To that place. He's a jealous God, not jealous of us, jealous for us in the sense that like in the commandments, the Ten Commandments, he says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. You know why? Because those are no gods at all. They cannot be there for you. These are inanimate objects. These are false gods. I am the Lord your God. Throughout the Old Testament, we see this repeatedly. I mean, replete throughout the Old Testament. God declares, I, to the Israelites, I am the Lord your God. That's not your God. I think of when Aaron, when Moses, it seemed, wasn't coming back from Mount Sinai. He caved and faltered and acquiesced to the pressure from the Israelites. Moses isn't coming back we need a new God we need a God to worship so what does Aaron do oh my goodness he takes all that gold that they got from Egypt in the Exodus and he makes this golden calf and then in the most unspeakable sexual sin they worshiped this golden calf and Aaron would have the audacity to declare to the Israelites, Behold, this is the God that delivered you out of Egypt.
0: The poetry of the Psalms evokes emotions of all kinds. The authors' lives were as varied as their songs, yet each point to truth we can't deny. God is still God, always in control and forever loving His creation we can rest in the knowledge that our Heavenly Father cares for us deeply and is supporting us, calming us, and providing life everlasting. We hope today's teaching on In Spirit and Truth stays with you as you continue on in your day, reminding you of truth and love at every turn. If you'd enjoy listening to more messages from Pastor J.D. Farag, you'll be able to find them on our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com. We do treasure our connection with our listeners. We'd like you to be a part of our social media community. Follow the links on our website to our Facebook or Twitter pages where you can add your thoughts to the conversations while filling your news feed with encouragement and useful information. We'd love to see you here in person at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe if you're in the area too. We hold services every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. or come by on Thursdays at 7 p.m. for an in-depth Bible study. Directions can be found on our website. Again, that's inspiritandtruthradio.com. If you can't join us in person, we hope you'll find a local church community soon that you can call home. Having a supportive and biblically-based church is an incredible blessing in your faith experience. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll join Pastor J.D. again to continue studying the Psalms right here on In Spirit and Truth.